Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. The rustling you hear is me at Phoenix Suns Arena watching the Valley Court being removed off of the floor as the Suns head to Milwaukee with the 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals over the Bucks. Hi, Kevin. Hey, are we on speaking terms now? Um, I guess, sort of. It remains to be seen. I kind of <laughs> forgot that happened, and you tricked me into coming on the podcast without me remembering that. But now that I remember that, I don't know what happened. Can you explain before we get into the game what happened when you were on live radio and then had to yell at someone that you were on live radio? Sure. I thought the best place for me to do a radio hit from an hour before the game was just right outside where we enter uh, the media entrances for the arena. Um, And I thought it was like a place where there wouldn't be a lot of noise and all that kind of stuff. But there were a lot of fans walking by. And as I was like five minutes into talking on Burns and Gambo, a fan came over and just said, um, Kellen, I've been meaning to come say hi to you, but now you're on the phone. And I was like, yeah, I'm on the radio. It's I'm sorry. And then I told him I appreciate it. And it sounds good. And that led to um, Burnsy and Sarah just asking for my autograph over and over again, treating me like I'm big time. And then you tweeted out, that you wanted everyone to assemble outside to find me because I'm holding a meet and greet. Uh, and for those who know me well, including you, know that that kind of attention makes me feel really awkward and strange. So I told Burns and Gamble I will never come on their show again and that we're not talking to each other anymore. But I guess <laughs> I'm declaring it a ceasefire for now, but I, I don't think I'm going to talk to you again until Saturday, at least. I'm Yay. taking Friday off. We'll, right. we'll see how we work. I'll just message Tyler Drake tomorrow when we're working the whole time to just talk to you. You know, when friends are in a fight and they have a someone else be like, well, Kellen said to tell Kevin. That's what I'm going to be doing. Let's talk about the basketball game, shall we? And not, not me being a social anxiety mess as always. Okay. 118-108, Suns. I is it just me, Kevin, or have these games been weird? I thought this this second game was real weird. I mean, it's it wasn't surprising in a surprising sense. It was surprising in that oh, they are just going to let them. They are going to do what we thought they might do in terms of adjustments and try to stop Book and CP the Bucks, yeah, the Bucks, and just let Mikel and those guys fire away from three. It, it just was surprising how lopsided it was in that direction and how much they just took okay we'll take threes and we will make them as well right i think it's just um i understand from a basketball perspective how the sun shot 50 percent from three and like this is something that matt moore was tweeting about during the first half and he was just saying well the suns aren't going to make all these all night and i was like well i mean there's those three guys crowder johnson and bridges Bridges is shooting 50% in the playoffs on wide open threes. Johnson's at 52% and Crowder's at 42. And 
the, with the way Booker and Paul see the floor and have seen every defense before, um, that's obviously the case for Chris Paul and Devin Booker's gotten there in the past couple of years. They're just going to break that kind of thing down over and over again. And what I worried about for the Bucks in this series, Kevin, was when I heard Drew Holiday after practice yesterday kind of saying, yeah, a steady diet of these types of defenses isn't going to work. Like, we need to keep – and what he meant by that was, like, we need to mix stuff up. We can't just be like, okay, we're trying this part. Now we're trying this part. Their adjustment was was stunning a lot. Uh, that That's the basketball term, I suppose which is just the help defenders kind of coming over for a second and briefly clouding up the space. But there was one possession that I included in my recap where Chris Paul just stood there and waited until Chris Middleton left and then just shot a wide open 12 foot mid range jumper. And what I worried about for them, Kevin is like, is Bud's type of coaching and just his team, is he able to coach a team where they can incorporate three, four, five different types of coverages and schemes all at once together and they did that more in this game. I thought they mixed stuff up, but they didn't do it enough. Like what we saw with the Lakers, Kevin, they were doing ev- things differently on every possession, it felt like, which yeah. was really throwing Book off and will throw anyone off. But none of what they're doing defensively is going to throw the Suns off right now. It's just not going to. For me, it's I, – I guess this is easy to say that playing more aggressive styles of defense worked to some degree, and the Clippers and the Lakers especially did that. And I guess when you're mixing stuff up, that's more doable, right? Because if you just hard hedge or just blitz the crap out of the dude, he's going to figure out, all right, they're just doing this every time. And maybe this happens. But when this happens without you even being aggressive, relatively aggressive compared to those teams, to me, it's 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 not necessarily on Bud. It, there could be very good reasons um, that he doesn't do that. I don't know if that's personnel. He doesn't trust them. He doesn't want to get them confused and throw too much at them scheme-wise. But I thought I'd see more of that mixing up because, you know, you mentioned they said that. And when you have, you know, an extra day to just, like, sit down and say, here are all the things we're going to try to do. Let's just soak this all in and get study up for one day in between game one and game two where they didn't have that time before a game one, I thought we'd see that. And we just didn't see the aggressive styles. And to me, that's what in Milwaukee they're going to get on butt about. And again, it, it might not be totally his fault. He might be doing it to protect certain guys. But I, I think they have the personnel, at least with their starting five, to get that done. Um, that's, again, like Connaughton, Teague, Portis, no. Probably not. So... Maybe There's a I'm failure asking. somewhere in there. No, no, you're you're totally right. There's just a failure in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Whether it's yeah. coaching or personnel, whatever, it's something. Yeah. Um, to go back to my thought on the game being loopy, my story, one of my stories, like takeaways from this game was both teams kind of getting back to what they do. I wrote about in the previews how the Bucks have been excellent this postseason on the offensive glass and second chance points. First and second chance points in the playoffs. They had three in game one. They had 23 in game two, and I believe they had 12 in the first 15 minutes of the game. They had nine offensive rebounds in game one. They doubled that to 18 in game two, and yet, Kevin, and yet, it was only 23 to 19 at second chance points. It was only minus four for the Suns because they had 19 second chance points of their own. 
and they were offensive rebounding as well. I believe they were in double digits. They had like 11, 12, 13, something like that. They had 11, and that allowed them to only be minus three on the glass when a team grabs 18 offensive rebounds. That was another weird part where the Bucks weren't actually able to get much of an advantage from that part coming because the Suns were just doing it as well on the other end. Uh, the Suns got back to ball movement, which is to be expected with how the Bucks chose to defend them. They got 26 assists. They had 15 at the half, and they were more evenly distributed, kind of what we talked about before, where, yes, Booker and Paul, like, they combined for 14. They, they had 15 combined in, in game one. They had 14 combined in game two, but there were eight more assists elsewhere. Cam Johnson had two. Campaign had two. Three for Jay Crowder four yeah. for DeAndre and one for Mikael Bridges. Like that's, that is their bread and butter. That's what it's been all year. Um, it, remember when I talked about us being in the highway and being run over by the CP3 MVP narrative. Now I'm going to be even more upset um, with that because our, our take on Devin Booker being the MVP for them in game one rolled over to game two. He was fantastic again. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm going to write about it tomorrow. I know he wasn't, you know, things aren't individual on defense, but you look at his effort, um, and I talked about it when he got that triple-double, when he scored 40 points and had a triple-double, got rebounds, did all that, um, was doing everything because Chris Paul was out, so he was on the ball more. I just think you got to give dude credit for not only doing everything um, as best he can, but doing everything smartly and doing everything despite playing a whole game like he played 44 minutes today and he got off to a rough start and then what does he do but finish close to 50 percent shooting seven threes made um six assists like you said only three turnovers got four fouls but was playing strong defense and had had something to do with the good team defense and drew holiday got a couple early buckets and then he kind of I mean, I was looking at um, his shots, and Book's not in there because I think Book was just doing a good job on him when he wasn't taking shots. So I'm going to yeah. give him credit there. 31 points, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's it, he's doing everything. I don't know what's going to happen with the narrative police, the narrative juice, whatever you want to say, but it to me, it's still him. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'll be getting a vote, but if I do get one, um, he's in He's in the far and away the lead for that, for sure. So what do you want to talk about next, Chris or uh, Mikel? We can go Mikel. All right. Uh, Mikel scores 27 in this game. He was 5 of 6 on his, um, on his twos, which was kind of to his um, – advantage again just looking at the way he's gotten used to this all year and has gotten used to it since we talk about or I talk about a lot how book got used to the way defenses were playing him and I kind of forgot oh yeah like Mikel's gotten used to it too <laughs> like Mikel's used to having this space and and learning through that that he had to get better at taking advantage of it and Monty would talk about at the start of the year I've mentioned this a couple of times on this podcast over the two years but I remember asking Monty like five games in the year. It's like, what do you want to see from Mikel offensively? And he was like, just like get a free bucket somewhere to get his like confidence going, like in transition on cuts, things like that. It wasn't so much talking about skill as it was just a matter of like confidence to get him going. And and now we just see him as this guy who can confidently 
make the right play to dribble pull up uh, all the way to the rim, make the dump off pass, like whatever you need out of him is like a shooter in the corner who needs to make the right play afterward. He's completely there right now, just, and he's very efficient while doing so. Uh, I asked him about that and he actually said um, to a point that I'm going to make it the Suns win the championship, like talk about Langston Galloway and guys like Etuan Moore earning their championship rings. Lo and behold, Mikel brings up Etuan Moore and says that Etuan is a guy that's consistently talking to him and just reminding him when he gets out of it a bit and just saying like, you're not just shooting threes. You need to mix in the scoring a bit. We need you to get to the rim, things like that. And Mikel will have a conversation with himself in his head where he's like, you're right. I'm trying to just shoot threes right now. <laughs> it's like you just need those veteran voices sometimes. And Mikel has learned through the process. And Kevin, when he's attacking like this off the dribble um, and just getting involved in that way, like 27, 23, 21, 32, whatever like the point totals are, like he can be a, a guy who scores over 20 a game easily with the skill set that he has now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'll ever be that guy because he just doesn't have that mindset. But, I mean, if he keeps growing, I I can see him pushing that. I mean, I thought and you thought that the Clippers series wasn't the best for him, and that was partially matchups. Um, and, and maybe that is a confidence thing where if he's not having a good matchup on defense, then just the shot's not there. And credit yeah, Paul to George is really good. Yeah, and Paul George is really good, and he, he's I, I think he's not a good physical matchup. But anyway, he, he's really played well the last two games, and we talked about the wings being the key in this one because you put all your resources into stopping Book and Paul. Again, they are not doing a great job at that either. Um, Drew Holiday played Chris Paul pretty well to start this game, and I think Chris had – I don't know if he had three or two turnovers in the first quarter as well – so that didn't go well for the Suns, but Mikel and Jay just starting to hit threes and Cam in that first half just kept the Suns afloat until they kind of clicked into gear and um, played like we thought they would because they didn't come out with the best effort and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, I mean, this is a huge series for Mikel and he's going to join DA in the I would like a lot of money club this offseason if we can get it done. A busy club, a lot of members. Uh, that, and it's good to have a lot of members, I guess. So it, he's a good guy to bring up and transition from him in terms of just game flow because I illustrated this in my recap, and I was pleased to see like the quarter-by-quarter quarter numbers were kind of supporting what I saw, which was that second quarter was just a complete team effort. Seven of the eight sons who played in that quarter recorded a field goal and the highest number of field goals for any of the guys was three. Mikel Bridges was the high scorer in the quarter for the Suns with seven, and they scored 30 points in the quarter. And Monty mentioned defensively on the other end, they just played tremendous defense and just just really good defense on that end uh, that helped them hold Milwaukee to 16. Suddenly you're up 11 and you're in the driver's seat until Giannis goes insane. 26 of the 33 points the Bucks scored for like the 11 minutes he was on the floor Um, were scored or assisted by him. He scored 20 of them. Uh, But then you saw Paul and Booker, and maybe this is something that I make up in my own head, but I really do think there's something to one star player on one team seeing the other star kind of get going and realizing like, okay, all right, if he's going, I got to go now. So uh, I believe it was 12 for Booker and 10 for Paul in the third. And then to go back to the fourth quarter again, that was more of a team effort. That's where DeAndre stepped in. 
And to go back to the game being weird, Chris had three turnovers in the fourth quarter, and I'm kicking myself for not looking this up to include in the recap, but I'll have to look after and see if he's ever had a fourth quarter in his career where he's had three turnovers because I can't imagine that he's had more than like three or four in, in a fourth quarter before. He shot two of eight, but the Suns were playing as a team. All five players recorded a field goal again. That's where DeAndre started making some things happen. And the Bucks just weren't getting enough, Kevin. Like, you look at just how well-balanced the Suns team is and just how they get contributions from just about everyone when they're playing well. You've got Middleton, 5 of 16, Holiday, 7 of 21. Those were the two other guys to score in double figures besides Giannis. And the fourth was Pat Connaughton's 14 off the bench. Um, I just thought another maybe the biggest example yet in this series of just the better team definitively like the Suns are just being that team without a doubt yeah and I think the team concept goes on the other end I mean to speak back to your book seeing Giannis going off that corner three he hit the step back over Middleton I think was a definite like oh I'm just going at this dude because I need to make a statement here (laughs) like there is no reason for him to do that and that's why he's building that legacy and all that stuff right now. But I think going off that, what Giannis did in that third quarter, um, it wore on him. Like I'm legit still even more worried than I was going into this game for his health, because like, I know it's apparently a hyperextended knee, whatever, but then he starts cramping in that same leg, like what if you're cramping, your muscles aren't going right and you have that hyperextension. I don't know what more bad things can happen. And he came back and looked fine, but I, the Suns are wearing on him. He played 40 minutes, had to do everything, still didn't win. And I just, I hope he makes it through. Like, I don't like bringing this up, but it's, it's part of the sun's wearing on him and they made him work for those 42 points. And it was like that 47 point game earlier in the season when they played him and we're fine with him taking jumpers and wearing on him throughout the game and fine to let him score that much. Um, he just is not getting enough help. And again, it's back to good job on book and those wings uh, making life tough on Middleton and holiday too. Cause they did not make shots. They did not. Sorry, I thought I could scramble in time to add the Chris Paul nugget to my story, but I'll wait, wait until after we're done. Second quarter in his in his playoff career, second, fourth quarter in his playoff career where he's had more than two turnovers. And that's yeah. 125 career games now, I believe, in the playoffs. And he only had, you think about how many games he's played over his 16-year career, 21 career fourth quarters where he had three turnovers or more over what? like 1600 games whatever it is for him it's it's like a astronomical number that i can look at right now 1090 so 21 divided by 1090 that's a really low percent kevin and unlike anything you're used to seeing and yet the game was 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 fine they were able to recover from there did you join me at all in in worrying when he didn't have it going and it seemed clear that book should be getting the ball but he Chris kept going with it or were you were you cool because I I didn't worry necessarily but I noticed it was noticeable now I I think it it took like halfway through the first quarter or something so it wasn't super long where he's just like all right I get Drew was doing a good job on him picking him up kind of at half court just putting a little pressure on him and then he he was just struggling with angles and stuff like that 
Um, but to me, I thought it was not too long of timing where they were just like, all right, Book, you do the thing. Because P.J. Tucker, as, as good as he is, he's not going to be able every time down the court, like, stop you just because he's not that type of player, like, speed-wise, horizontally. Um, so I thought it was fine. It, it wasn't ideal that Chris Paul had a terrible game. But again, it comes back to sometimes it happens. D.A. didn't play great and then has a great final eight or so minutes. Um, and when you get a night like that from Mikel, then it doesn't really matter. And again, like look at the bench. Cam Johnson had a big first half. Tory Craig was fine until he got hurt, but um, not a ton of points there. At least uh, they played solid, and they didn't really go that deep anyway. But just a, a really impressive performance from everyone. And I think that's why, again, when we talk, who's probably going to be eventually named MVP? It, it it's got to be Book, I would think. Uh, let's hit on Milwaukee before we go in terms of where you think their concern levels are at. Uh, and we, we should touch on Tory Craig, too, uh, after yeah. that. But l- let's start with Milwaukee. I, part of my weirdness, too, and maybe I haven't watched enough Chris Middleton in my life, but I really think I have uh, from, a, from a national perspective, at least, and seen him play enough to where I feel like he's, if not um, always in rhythm, at least like not overly aggressive with getting his shot, you know, like enforcing it. Not only did I feel like he was forcing it whenever he shot tonight, I felt like it was just out of rhythm too. Um, He was five of 16. I don't really know what it is with him in this series specifically. And again, someone who's watched the bucks way more than I would could say, this is maybe how he looks sometimes. Um, But if that's the case, either way, like they need him to improve because I, I don't know if Drew it, Drew's going to be able to do it because he's been. I I thought game one was going to be his worst of the of the series, and you could argue that he was worse in in game two. Who are you more concerned about out of those two? If you're the Bucks, and then where are your concern levels at? Like I said, for them overall in the series from their perspective. I'm more concerned about Holiday just because we haven't seen it. Like Middleton just had a you know, Jekyll and Hyde two games where he looked really good, was taking the right shots in rhythm, like you said. And tonight, like he had eight assists, which is kind of surprising. So it wasn't like he was forcing everything, but what he was taking was just not feeling like, oh, that's going to go in. So I think he can turn it around, but Holiday, man, I don't know. He missed a couple layups. Things didn't go his way. He missed a couple open threes and it just never clicked in for him. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think he's usually a much better player. So for whatever reason, um, credit the Suns again, because I think they're doing things to these guys. But those two guys have got to get it together because like Brooke Lopez is going to get his opportunities, whether that's from three or just cleaning up on the glass, offensive glass and getting easy buckets PJ will get his garbage points. I, I think he scored all of his seven points in like two minutes or something and then just didn't do anything from there. And then again, their bench is not great. Connaughton had a good game, but I mean, it's it's looking thin over there. Let's just say that. My Middleton stat's not as good as the Chris Paul one, but in four of his 63 career playoff games, now five, has he taken over 15 shots and shot worse than 33% from the floor? He was 5 of 16. 
So it's just when he's on volume and he's taking a lot of shots. And again, like he's a guy that plays in the flow and then sometimes needs to be aggressive. So I'm talking about like when he gets on volume and takes enough shots, he's just, he's making them. He's doing it in the flow of it too. He's like booking that way. And it was really surprising for me to see him play that way, which is why I lean towards him in terms of just whatever kind of funk he's in in these two games, he's going to have to figure out quickly um, and go from there. Uh, overall, team-wise, Kevin, just to go back to that, do you think this was a must-win for Milwaukee with the way Giannis played? I, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. No, I mean, I don't... 42 for him, 42 and 14 for him, by the way, on the bum leg. I, I guess if you consider that... I don't like playing the must-win game because it's like, well, Middleton and it, Holiday just have to play better and then they should feel good about this game, but... It's tricky, yeah. I think the injury does matter in this case because it's it's wearing down again. I don't want the guy to get hurt, but just you could tell how winded and how tired and how banged up he is. He was grabbing at his knee even before the calf thing, I thought, um, falling down. And it's just going to be a war of attrition, and the Suns have a lot more bodies even. Um, hopefully, Torrey Craig's contusion in his knee – that he picked up and that charge is not super bad or anything, but I think the Suns still have the body count where they should feel a lot better right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> I honestly, I could not tell from watching the replay. I didn't see it in real time. What exactly bothered Tori? I thought he was holding his head at first. And I was like, Oh, he just took a really hard bump. And then on the replay, you saw like, yep, that's what taking a charge from Giannis must be like with the, with how hard he hit the ground. But then it was it was knee to knee actually it looked like and and then yeah. right knee contusion is what they called it so uh, if if he's not ready to go for game three Kevin what do you think is the better option between Abdul Nader and continuing to go really small or Frank Kaminsky but and the thing is I think we'll see Abdul Nader either way because you've got some four minutes and three minutes that Tory Craig plays too um, unless you just play Cam like thirty thirty five minutes which I think he's earned. But yeah. I, I also think he's been really good in the minutes that he plays. And I love the fact that he looks absolutely exhausted every time he's done playing for his shift because he just plays so hard. Um, if there's if that has like anything to do with it, I, I don't know. Like if you play him from 20 to 30, does it change? I don't know. That's 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 what I wanted to bring up at least. But do you think it's more of going super small or do you just live with Frank? Man, I don't think you need to live with Frank even in that situation. Um, the the Bucks really didn't punish them enough for playing DA all those minutes and playing Frank, what, one minute? So to me, I think they could do the same thing and maybe get away with it um, unless you say Bobby Portis is getting a lot more minutes, but then they're going to start hunting him again. And that was, I guess we should mention another thing. He played five minutes and just wasn't, a factor out there. So that's, this is going to be interesting. Um, hopefully Tori is decent enough to give it a go, but yeah, it's, it's interesting chess match. And I, I just think that the bucks have not responded great so far in two games to whatever the Suns are doing, whether that was obviously very different things in two games. Yeah. I think that, um, coaching edge, we made that a point of emphasis, uh, 
maybe not I didn't I didn't in the words at least but like discussing this on here and in other places I thought it was a clear coaching edge for the Suns and that really showed in this game more than anything because of the adjustments that were required and the adjustments we saw from Milwaukee were not as uh, advanced as uh, you might have hoped for from a Milwaukee perspective what food do they have in Milwaukee Kevin what am I looking for here Gina said cheese curds is what they're known for never never been up there or no I have been not since I was a kid though that's where my mom's from she's from the Wisconsin area yeah, they're supposed to squeak on your teeth when you eat them, um, or you can eat them fried. I don't know. That's all I know about cheese curds. I've been to Wisconsin and Iowa. I will do same? what I normally do on a vacation somewhere, which is find the best pizza place or chicken wing place within reasonable distance and go there and enjoy myself because I still eat like a seven-year-old and don't broaden my horizons. Uh, I mean, those are good options. I don't know about wings in milwaukee though so yeah I yeah that's you got to go through the yelps and just kind of see if this, this is dominoes it up boss go to dominoes <laughs> i don't know it's just have fine. dominoes and chipotle on vacation i deserve it you know all right buddy uh next time we're doing this i will be in a hotel room uh in in milwaukee two game two days between each game uh from here on out do is you think uh, so apparently it might rain a little bit. Dwayne was talking about this. Um, I need to bring a hoodie. I know that. So okay. can't forget it. I forgot it in L.A., which I was mad about just because, like, L.A., you can wear whatever. It's fine. It's perfect out there all the time. But just getting to wear a hoodie in July is really important for us born and raised, as you know, Kev, from oh, Phoenix. Yeah. Just doing that. Ellen, you got to seize the opportunity when it comes. That's all. I remember being in Portland two years ago and having my hoodie on while it was raining and looking so happy. And then all these Portland people are like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he happy about (laughs) rain and cold, cold rain? And I'm like, you don't understand. Usually it's like 95 degrees and the wind's blowing and it's raining and it's just dust everywhere and awful. All right, buddy. You have a good night. Okay. And everyone listening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever part of your day. It is, I hope, from here on out. It's just terrific. Let's go sleep, huh? 12, 16. We should probably go do that. Yeah. All right. Talk to you tomorrow through Tyler. Uh, We're not talking again. No more speaking terms. Goodbye.